Hey, I'm Nikki. And I'm Emily. And welcome to That Six Letter Word, a podcast about being 20-something and living with that six-letter word that no one wants to hear, cancer. We are two friends that have lived and are living with this diagnosis, and we have some similarities and many differences. We dive into our experiences as young women, patients, friends, and survivors. Our hope is that this podcast resonates with any person going through any challenge, not just cancer. And we're here to remind you that we're all just people taking life one step at a time and spreading joy as often as we can. Hey, Emily. Hey, Nikki. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm excited today. We have one of... Yes. We have a friend of mine who Emily's just now meeting for the first time, and we're really excited to have her. And she is also a young and fun woman like us, and she has had experience with that six-letter word, but it was a little bit different from ours. Uh, and we're excited she's here. So, hi, Sarah. Hi. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yes. We're excited to have you, and welcome back to that six-letter word. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's where we are. Hi. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, Sarah... <laughs> Why don't you introduce yourself and where you are in life and just give us a little bit about yourself. All right. Um, Like you guys said, my name is Sarah Greenwald. Um, I am a cancer survivor, a proud cancer survivor. I am currently attending the University of Michigan studying elementary education. Um, And I grew up in Sterling Heights, which is very close by. And yeah, so I'm currently about to graduate in May, a few months away for me. Um, so that <laughs> it feels very, very close, but also very, very far away. Lots of work till I get there. But I am in the School of Education and I am student teaching right now um, in a second grade classroom virtually. So that, that's what my day-to-day life looks like. On the weekends, I sometimes teach dance like Nikki. <laughs> we teach sometimes together. But yeah, that's a little bit about me and where I go to school. How is it like teaching remotely, like during all of this pandemic? Because this is your first intro into teaching, right? Well, like in a classroom setting at a school. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Not in dance. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, It's interesting. It's really, it's really cool to see how the schools have actually adapted Um, We each have like a mentor teacher. So I'm in someone else's classroom right now every single day. And she has been very, very well thought out and very planned. So I luckily have like a really great model for what it should look like, in my opinion. Um, I know some other areas are not as lucky, but they've been completely remote for a very long time. And she has the hang of it. And she's definitely giving the kids as much as she can um, virtually. So I'm eager to go back. Um, I'm hoping that my first year of teaching can be in person (laughs) because I don't, I don't know, I don't completely feel ready to be an online teacher or an in-person teacher because I've had a mix of both and neither one feels complete yet. So we'll see. (laughs) So Sarah, so we obviously, like I said, I've known you for some time and I, I, I knew you after you had kind of completed your at least immediate journey with cancer. Obviously, it's kind of a lifelong thing, but I didn't know you when you were little and going through this. So I guess, can you share with us what that looked like? And and you were little, so I don't know how much of it is what you remember or what your family has told you, but what is your, you know, kind of story with cancer? 
So I'll just jump right in. I'll give you the full story. You probably know a lot of it, but obviously people listening might not. So, well, I'll just start right from the beginning. My brother at the very, when I was five, um, we would go up north a lot and he was really struggling with car sickness and on and off. So my mom finally just decided like, for some reason he's getting really nauseous. Let's just take him into the doctor. I'm his little sister. So I go with him. (laughs) Um, So this checkup is in no way for me whatsoever. Um, I was having like on and off fevers for a little bit, um, but nothing that my parents were concerned about. They just thought I was a little bit sick and I was fine. I mean, I was a trooper. I didn't feel sick. I didn't act sick. So we're at the, we're at the doctors and this is our family doctor. And she said, she checked my brother out. Everything was fine with him. But she said that I looked really pale and yellow and I'm just sitting in the chair. (laughs) So she asked my mom, she's like, I just like have a weird feeling. Can I run some blood work? So this is literally how we discovered (laughs) that I had cancer. A little feeling that my, yeah, a little feeling that my doctor had. So, so later, I mean, she, she took some blood tests and found out a little bit later that I had acute lymphoblastic leukemia and my whole world changed. I was five, it was August, and I was about to go to kindergarten in September. So I was super pumped because all of my siblings went to elementary school and I got to go and that was going to be a really cool thing. (laughs) So I was really excited and just a little curveball that we didn't expect. So yeah, just because of that little feeling that she had, that, that started it all. And that night, I remember our neighbors came over, my grandparents came over right away, and I went to Children's Hospital, Hospital of Michigan. Hours later, packed up, packed my bags, <laughs> found my new home, and the next two and a half years, I spent lots of time there. So, yeah, on and off treatment then from that point for two and a half years, in the hospital for one week, out for two weeks lots of blood work, lots of blood transplants, um, hooked up to IVs. I had a great journey. (laughs) I had a great time while I was there and I had an amazing support system through it all, but that's, that's how it all got started. (laughs) That's insane. Like I can't even, (laughs) like, I'm thinking back of when like I was going into kindergarten and I was like one, I was like kind of dweeby. So it's like, whatever, but, (laughs) um, I was so excited and to be like, for have that because did you actually go to school or were you like essentially homeschooled for that period of time I I couldn't tell you exactly when I went I know that I went (laughs) a little bit I knew that like that was a big goal there's oh my gosh there's so many pictures of me with like my chubby cheeks in like we have our Halloween party pictures and I I dressed up as a doctor for Halloween because that's what I wanted to be (laughs) So I was this chubby little five-year-old doctor. So there's there's things like that that I remember, but I don't think I was ever there consistently for more than probably two days. <laughs> wow. I Did you, like, maybe this is a dumb question. Did you at the time, like, get it? Like, did you know what was going on? Or was it very, like, Sarah, you're sick. We're just going to get you better, and then you'll go back to normal. Like, did you have a concept for being different from everybody else or or how serious it was? I'd probably have to say no. The only reason that I did know was because of my family and the community around me. 
I know like right when it happened, I remember the specific moment that my mother was told it was me, my mom, and my brother, and we were sitting there and she was told and I just remember her breaking out like in tears and I was like what the heck happened like I'm fine guys <laughs> no one worry I'm fine <laughs> and I remember my dad coming home from work like immediately and I don't really remember anything past that point at that moment but that was my first signal I was like I'm fine I don't know what all of you are talking about <laughs> but I'm fine I guess I'll keep being fine like and you guys can handle it however you have to. <laughs> but I, I understood it to a certain extent. I understood that I had to be strong, but I didn't understand really why. I don't think I knew why. Did they actually, like, did your parents and everybody tell you that you had cancer or just that you were sick? I think they told me. Okay. I mean, all of these, like, a lot of things I don't really know. Mm -hmm. It's all, like, my interpretation. I have no idea when they told me. Or really, I don't know how that happened, but I, I knew. I knew that I was going through treatment. I knew that I was at the hospital sick with other cancer patients, and I knew that I was, like, the lucky one. <laughs> That's what I knew. Wow. I can't even imagine. So as you went through this, and you were saying, like, you were obviously at Children's Hospital, so you were on an oncology floor, but it was obviously other pediatric oncology patients. I mean, was that like your community? You were going to school kind of on and off. Did you, were you able to build community there? Was it really like your family shielded you from seeing everybody else in, in similar positions? You know, I think that for the most part, my community became like my family and my doctors and my nurses. I know that my mom really bonded with other parents there and stuff, but I, I didn't really make like a lot of close friends at the hospital. I have a few for sure, not any that I'm very close with anymore, but there were a few that I um, became friends with, but no, I, I saw other kids there, and like I said, I knew that, like, I knew that I was the one who came in and out, and I knew that they were the ones that had to stay, you know. Wow, I can't even imagine what that would just make you feel like. I mean, I guess one of the questions that I have, and maybe this is, like, almost early to ask this, but was there ever a point, like, obviously, when that was going through, you knew you were different from your peers at school, and you also kind of knew that, like, some of your friends at the hospital, you were different from them, like you said, you were coming in and out, and some of them weren't. Was there a point, you know, a year down the road, five years down the road now, where you are like, oh, now I blend in again, now I get to be normal, or is this something where it's like, you still can kind of feel that I feel like I feel this I'm so different from my friends and right now my hair is still growing back so I, I experienced that and I'm curious when you're younger like do you register it as like different good better good better and different but or, or was it just like I'm me and that's it yeah for sure I definitely registered it as different but at that point and even honestly now I really like that I have that like I want to be different in that sense and I don't want anyone to take that away and I want people to know, like, I am different. And this is what makes me different. And I had to go through all this. <laughs> but I can call myself a survivor. And a lot of people don't have that. And I think that that is a really cool thing to have. I knew when I was young that I was different, but I thought I was really cool because I was different. <laughs> I was like I said, I was on steroids. I was really, really chubby. I called myself a chubby chicken. I, I loved it. <laughs> like, I think it was a part of like how my parents handled it. And it was all very positive. 
I was, I was very proud that I was a leukemia patient. I knew that I was sick, but I think I thought it was pretty cool <laughs> at the time, which is also from, like I said, I was lucky. I mean, that's, that's a lucky thing to be able to have at that point. Yeah, no, I think I'm like, I'm in very much like admiration for you, but also for your parents and your family with how they kind of approach the situation. I don't know if like, I, if I was necessarily like roles reversed, if I had a child who was going through a cancer challenge like this, if I would be able to like show as much strength as your parents did. But I had a question on like, so I know you're studying to become a teacher, all of this, working with kids. Did your time like in this pediatric like ward or pediatric oncology ward, did it like kind of catapult you towards like wanting to work with children or was that always like kind of what you wanted to set out to do? And no matter what you went through, it wasn't going to change. I don't really know. I, I mean, all my life has ever been, I, I was a cancer patient when I was five. So all my life ever was, was like that. And I think that that has shaped every decision I've made since that point. So I think that most certainly has a big deal to do with it. I don't know what would have happened if I didn't go through that. Um, But it has definitely put me in the career path of wanting to work with children. And for a while, I really wanted to become a child life specialist, just because those were people that my parents had said when I was going through my treatment were extremely valuable. That is still the main, main population that I want to be able to positively affect is cancer patients, cancer families, people going through anything (laughs) in a hospital setting is kind of like my passion. I learned to broaden that, I think, once I went through college and kind of that's just where my path took me. I planned to do child life specialty, actually, and then elementary education was a good step before that. And now I'm here and I really love it. And I think it's where I'm meant to be. I think there's a chance I could eventually still become a child life specialist, (laughs) but I don't know. It's too early to say that would be way, way down the road. But I definitely think that my cancer treatment has everything to do with why I've chose the career path that I have. Definitely. Yeah. It's so, I mean, it's so, like Emily said, I just, I'm so in awe of the idea of being that little and 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 the way your parents handled it and like obviously I know your mom I've known her for years and she's like such a bright shining light and I mean my mom barely held it together and I'm like an adult who pays my own taxes and like can tell her that I'm doing okay and I I I'm so in awe of how she handled that and helped you through it and yeah I just that makes that just makes me smile and to know that obviously you came out such a good person and and it's <laughs> guided so much of your life it's such a cool trajectory and like you said I'm, I'm glad that you're proud of it and that you wear like a badge of honor I'm like starting to get there but I haven't quite gotten there yet I'm still like a little too mad at everything to feel that way so I'm I, I love that that's you know a place that you've reached I think that's really awesome thank you I definitely think if I think that the way that it happened made it since I was five and I was so young. I think that that's what has allowed me to very happily wear the title. I think it would be much, much different if I was older in my life. Um, And I will say that although from my perspective, my mom was extremely strong. I know if you had a conversation with her, this would be a totally different story. (laughs) Same with her and my dad. But 
Yeah, I'm sure they're losing it behind closed doors. That's what, I mean, my, my parents, my aunts and uncles have started to tell me like, oh, your mom called me sobbing every day. And I was like, oh, she like held it together pretty well when I was around, you know, and it's like, yeah. oh. <laughs> so I can only imagine, you know, when your kid's that little and, and yeah, it's so crazy. I am curious too, obviously dance became a huge part of your life and that's something that we share. And was that something where like you were in the cute little baby ballerina classes before this all started? And, or was this something where like after treatment, your parents were like, all right, let's find activities. Let's get her into something. How did that kind of come into your life? Yeah, I started dancing when I was three. So a while before being diagnosed with cancer. But I remember that was one of the things I loved dance right away. Like it was my thing. (laughs) And I just remember like that was one of the things I couldn't do anymore. And I was like, you guys, like I I can do that. Like it's not, it's not bad. Like I could do that right now. (laughs) It was one thing that like was taken away from me that I didn't feel like needed to be taken away from me. I mean, I was five, of course I needed it to be taken away, but I think that made my love for dance grow stronger because it was like that one thing that I really loved as a passion right away. And then that, that got taken away from me. Yeah, I can't imagine having like something you like loved that much as like a young child being like just kind of like stripped from you without you being like and you're not even like oh like I completely comprehend what's going on and why these decisions are being made and everything and yeah no I mean I can't even can't even begin to imagine what that must have been like but like so Nikki and I have talked about um essentially like the mental health aspect of all of like what we've gone through and everything and I was just curious if at some point did you did you go and see like a child therapist or a child psychologist or was that ever like a part of any conversation that you had honestly it wasn't I Mm. never saw anyone that wasn't I don't, to my knowledge, it wasn't a thing that was shared or considered. I didn't, I don't know if I didn't seem like I needed that or what, but no, it was never, never a thing. But I will say, like, as far as the mental health side goes, something that I've thought a lot about recently, I don't know, it's weird. I was five years old when I was diagnosed. I don't remember so much of it. I was in treatment for two and a half years, but I was a child. (laughs) All the things I remember are good. It wasn't all good. I know that it wasn't. But from my perspective, like that's what I, that's the feelings I'm left with. And it almost feels wrong in a way. Like I am a cancer survivor, but like my journey was like this and other people's are like this. Like it's not, I don't know. It feels weird to sometimes hold that, have that badge of honor when it was so long ago and I don't really remember it and it feels a little bit like disconnected in a sense but with that said I mean I still proudly wear it and I still want to talk about it but from my perspective I just think about that and like huh I wonder I don't know just something I think about (laughs) yeah and I think that goes along the lines too of like everybody's cancer journey is different like Nikki's is different than yours and mine's different like they're all very different but like I I want to know what is the first thing people say to you when you're you say that you had childhood leukemia that's a really good question (laughs) huh I think a long time ago it would have been like oh oh my gosh like I'm so sorry like are you okay (laughs) now I think people just say 
I'm sorry to hear that. And then they carry on. But something also, people don't ask questions. Like, I am not ashamed. I would love to talk to you about it. It's a huge part of who I am. You finding out and then just like moving on is like, oh, okay. Like, glad you don't care about that half of me. Like, that's a huge part of me, but okay, we won't talk about it. <laughs> it is such a weird thing. I, w- I mean, Emily and I've talked about this. I felt that way when I went back to work and and I remember calling other women that I work with being like, hey, the, the closest thing I can think of is you returning from maternity leave. Like, did you return from maternity leave? And you literally just like popped a human out of you and people are like, oh, hey, hi, welcome back. So about that yeah. project we were working on. And they were like, yeah, they were like, I mean, also we're in engineering, so it's, it's male dominated, but I can relate to that in some ways where like I showed back up at work and people are like, oh, hi, yeah, welcome back. Um, so about that thing. And, and I know that people are always scared to say the wrong thing and maybe that's what dictates some of it. And, you know, maybe in your case, it's like, I don't know, people are like, oh, it's so long ago. Why talk about, I don't know, I don't know. But I identify with that feeling and like, I wanna validate that of like, hey guys, um, this is a huge part of my identity. Like maybe let's talk about it. It's like equally as important right now as if I were telling you that like, hey, I got engaged to be married. Like that would almost be an equivalently important part of my identity at this point. Like, I don't know, maybe ask me a question or two. Like, it's such a weird thing. People are so weird. (laughs) (laughs) People are weird. And yeah, I totally, totally feel that. I can't even imagine what that would feel like right now. Um, I understand sometimes I think, like you said, people don't want to say the wrong thing or people don't know if you want to talk about it. And, you know, maybe I don't feel like it one day, but maybe one day I do. And you blowing past, I mean, it's not even just like, oh, hey, like, by the way, I had cancer when I was little, like something leads up to it because it's not just like a random thing. (laughs) Yeah, not like a word vomit type of situation. Right. (laughs) My name's Sarah. Fun fact about me. No. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, yeah, I don't know. I think people are very, I understand why people tiptoe around it. But until you ask me, like, you can say, hey, I have a question, but you don't have to answer if it makes you uncomfortable. Like, I totally understand. That's a good way to go about it, in my opinion. And then I'll say, hey, no, I'm an open book. I love talking about it. There you go. (laughs) Ask away. (laughs) That's like, I mean, I identify with that, too. It's, I mean, granted, it's, I'm a little farther out than Nikki is at this point. But when I first came back or got back into living my quote unquote normal life, I had this, and I know people like lose their hair and everything, so I should be lucky and everything, but I had this like giant scar that I had like essentially like my head was shaved for in certain areas. I remember like I would walk past the mirror and it always be a constant reminder to me of like, oh my gosh, like I would, I'd go about my daily activities and then I'd catch myself in the mirror and I was like, and it like send me into like a tailspin in my own head. Do you, so, and to a certain extent now it's like if my hair blows or whatever and I see it, it's a like, it's a constant reminder of that. But do you ever have like, does that ever come in? Like, do you ever have to, sorry, I'm phrasing this question terribly, but do you ever have those, like you'll forget about it for a minute and then all of a sudden it like something will just bring you right back or is it kind of like as since it's so far gone in a way it kind of like you can kind of just like not even like live knowing you have it but I don't know 
I'm phrasing this so terribly. (laughs) No, no, I totally, I totally get what you're saying. I, I think it's literally just ingrained in me. It's such a part of me that I don't know life without it. So it's who I am. Um, So I, I can't say that I relate to that, but something that you did bring up, just like that reminder of like your scar. I have one scar, maybe one, a second one you can kind of see and it's hidden and nobody can ever see it. I can barely see it, which I'm very privileged and lucky to have. But at the same time, I think sometimes people are like, oh, like you went through cancer treatment, like you're fine. You're clearly fine. Or like you don't seem to have had that past. I don't know, just from like looking at you. And it's hard for me too, because I don't have like those reminders or those ways of like communicating that with people I got literally I got a tattoo (laughs) that says survivor on my rib next to my scar just so I can like have that little piece like this is next to my scar like that was this represents all that I went through and I don't have a lot of scars or things on my body to prove it but like this happened and it was I'm a proud survivor that's what that tattoo means (laughs) yeah that's really and it's so did you, you didn't, did you lose your hair when you were going through it? No, I didn't. I lost like little tiny patches, but never, never all my hair and never an amount you would notice. I was very lucky. So you really, even like when you're going through it, you were like, you could show up with your friends and you said like you were chubby. There were a lot of steroids. So I'm sure that kind of was a change at some point in your body, but it is such an interesting thing. Yeah. Like if there's no physical changes and you show up as your regular old self, it's like hard to convince people that you've been unwell. And it's funny because I, I mean, I didn't have the same thing. I obviously lost my hair, but kind of otherwise I was totally normal and people would walk in and be like, oh, well, you seem fine. And I'm like, well, yes, I, I do feel fine. Thank you for noticing. And, and I'm happy about that. But sometimes you're like, just like, let me be sick for a minute. I don't know. It's, it's a weird line to walk because you, you do want to be fine and you're glad that you are, but sometimes you want people to get it, you know? Completely. I think that's more of a thing that I feel now than it was when I was young. I mean, I think it was probably for the best that I didn't have people probably oddly looking at me. I looked like a normal kid. I looked maybe like a little bit of a sick, chubbier kid. (laughs) But other than that, I mean, that's pretty, pretty normal still. So I feel that a little bit more now to like wear that title, like I was saying, where it doesn't, it's not reflective of like how you look which I'm grateful for, but it's a weird thing to think about. Yeah, it is. I'm also curious. And I mean, like you said, you obviously, this is part of your being. It has been since you were so little. It's like you, you came of age with this as part of you, but does this, like the way that you think about the future, like you obviously chose your profession, kind of reflecting on the fact that you wanted to help kids and specifically cancer families and cancer kids when you think about the future, do you like notice yourself thinking differently from your peers because this informs how you look at life? Or do you think that you've like, I I always think in terms of like taking risks, like I've turned into a more reckless person than some of my friends because I have seen what can happen when you're on the bitter edge. So I don't really care. And I'm curious whether you've noticed that with your friends since you've grown up with it. It's not like it's been a difference for you, but, or well, maybe it has been, but I'm curious kind of how you think about that. Yeah, that's a good question. I I don't think that it had the same effect on me as you. I think I've grown up, I think I grew up faster than a lot of my friends since I had to like put on this brave, strong face at such a young age. 
And I think, I don't know, not like, I think I just like know what I want and I don't really like want to do things I don't want to do. I don't really care to like see people or do things I don't feel like doing. I don't feel like working out if I don't want to work out. Like, I don't know. It's like the small things. Like I will do less on this homework assignment because I don't want to. (laughs) I will try really hard because I'm passionate. I think like in those small things, I think I really care about the things I care about. And I also know the things that I don't care about sometimes. And I think in that sense, it has made me, I think that's the way that my parents also raised me through it. Like my mom was always like, honey, like you, you really want to go to dance today? Just like go to dance your homework. Like it's fine. It can wait. Or like, you'll just do it a different day. Like she also instilled that value in me. Like do what you want, like live your life however you want to live it. and don't don't do anything you don't want to (laughs) do I think that's what I learned most my biggest takeaway was that I will just do whatever I want and I won't do what I don't want to (laughs) do yeah that's such a valuable thing to learn like I I mean I remember talking recently about how I just started to learn that and it's not I don't think because of any specific person or impact but we live in a world that like tells you to be a certain way and like especially with social media, you're, you notice if you're a different way. So I'm, I think that's so cool that you've kind of learned to, to not even learn, but just grown up and become that person where you're, you know, you're doing your thing. I love that. Thank you. I appreciate it. I don't think it's, it's definitely not all the time. Sometimes I definitely care what people think. Sometimes (laughs) I do what other people want me to do, but I like to think that those are my core values too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, like, do you and your parents ever really talk about it anymore? Or do you have, like, anybody that was there with you during this time that you, it just, like, you bring up? Or how is, how is, like, that kind of conversation going about now? Or is it, like, a kind of, like, a memory? I think the older I get, the more questions I have. I think it's so weird that, like, all that happened to me and I have no idea. I was filling out a survey for... Um, the National Children's Cancer Society, they had like a late effects of your treatment survey. So you could like know about possible side effects. And I had to ask my parents every single like question. I couldn't do it by myself. I had to ask them, did I get this treatment? Did I take this medicine? That kind of stuff. And I totally just forgot the question. Oh, just, <laughs> just that. Um, do you and your parents like talk about it pretty openly oh, now? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> Okay, you can cut that part out. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I mean, when I have those questions, I ask them. um, And I think the older I get, the more curious I am. But I also think we don't talk about a lot of things. I think I blocked out. I think that's why I don't remember a lot of things. I blocked a lot of it out at a young age. I think my parents blocked a lot of it out or as much as they could. I don't sometimes ask certain questions because I know that it was heavier for them or harder for them. It's not a normal conversation. I'd say we have the same conversation. We don't really go more into depth than like, like you, like we don't just keep digging that kind of thing, which I do. I do want to know more about it. And I think it's interesting that all of that happened to me and I feel like I don't know about it and I want to know, but I will say I had a best friend growing up and through all of my treatment, um, who kind of did it with me, which was really cool. Um, she came to almost all of my hospital visits with me. 
my little checkups. She would come to the hospital and hang out. Her parents would bring over dinner to my house, to my family, and we just kind of bonded. Like, I feel like she went through it with me. So sometimes we, we will, like, talk about little random memories we have. We would always put a Band-Aid on, like, her rib cage with a quarter under it, and, like, that was her port. <laughs> so she had her oh port, and I had, like, my real port. But, like, that was, like, we did that together, and we would, like, hook her up to fake IVs. Like, <laughs> that was my childhood. But we had so much fun. <laughs> oh, what a sweet, like, <laughs> I sad from some perspectives, but, like, what a sweet thing that you got to share that. And she's, like, still around. She's still in your life. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've been friends since we were probably, like, two years old. She's still still my number one best friend. I think going through that with her, it feels like we went through it together. I was the one with the the body going through it, but she was my little support buddy all the way through. And I had other friends too, but she was she was the one buddy that stuck it through with me and still, yeah, still best friends today. And I don't think we could ever not be because of that. I think that really connected us in a way that lots of friendships, like I'm sure you guys have your <laughs> your she wasn't my cancer buddy. She didn't have cancer with me, but she was my cancer buddy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Especially in like, I imagine too, I mean, when you're that little, you don't even have like the vocabulary for like, oh, someone's seeing me in this like vulnerable, like kind of scary situation, but you're still like human enough to like understand what that means and stick through it. And that's a really cool thing that like, even as a kid, you're kind of wise enough to be like, all right, I'm not letting everybody in, but like, you know, this person can see me here and, and she'll be around forever because she has. Yeah, she's the one friend that gets to, she's the one friend that gets to come over and come to the hospital with me and hold my hand while I'm getting my medicine injected through my pore, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, definitely bonded. <laughs> bonded. Oh my that. gosh, yeah, absolutely. Oh man. Yeah, that's so sweet and just like it makes my heart happy that you had those people around. So I guess now that you're heading into, I am curious, like you said, you've met people, this is a huge part of your identity. Has it been different? Like you have this sweet boyfriend now who I've seen pictures of, like, was it different telling him versus just like friends that you meet? Have you like gone into more detail with certain people? Does it, does it change the way maybe he thought about you if you didn't tell him until a little bit later on? What does that look like for you in adulthood? Yeah, well, that's interesting. I can... I could tell you more about that. Um, <laughs> for a lot of people that I met, I feel like I met people because of my cancer treatment. Like, I, I don't know, I like, would come to school, I would go to different schools when I was younger. And I did like, my mom worked for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. So I'd go to different schools. And I would talk at different schools about my my journey and I would meet people through that like I met so many people by telling people about it how I met my boyfriend actually was also from a cancer experience I volunteered at camp quality so this is a summer camp that I volunteer at and it's all around childhood cancer so all the kids that come to the camp are survivors or are currently going through cancer treatment and I was invited <laughs> to go to this camp when I was going through treatment that I never knew about. <laughs> My parents did not let me go because they were too concerned about me. Um, so I never got to go to camp quality. But right once I turned 17, I started volunteering there. Um, and I saw him my first year and he was a little bit older. So we didn't really talk. He was a companion. So he was partnered up 
with one of the cancer um, survivor children or cancer patient children. Um, and I was just a little daytime volunteer that got to come because I wasn't 18, so I couldn't be a companion. <laughs> so at Camp Quality, each child who comes to the camp is paired up with someone 18 or older. Um, and that's like your buddy for the whole week. So that's how I met him actually. So once again, I didn't, I was dancing at their like talent show as like an intro act. <laughs> um, so everyone there, yeah, everyone there automatically knew my story or parts of it and why I was there and why I was the one dancing at the beginning of the talent show. And um, ever since then, I have been a companion. So I was a companion for three years and then COVID hit. So obviously my fourth, I think that was my fourth year. But so now obviously it got canceled last summer and we'll see about this summer. But that has been a really big part of me now ever since I was 17. That's been a huge like community of people that I know because of my cancer. And it has led me to him. It's led me to some really great friends. It's led me to a whole a whole world of people I didn't know were out there. So camp quality is a really, I'm really thankful for that. That's awesome. I'm glad that like there's a like some place that like kids with cancer can go in the summer to feel quote unquote like normal, have like yep. some normalcy of a summer. Is it camp quality? Is it like day camp or is it overnight or can it you kind is of elaborate? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, it's overnight. We always go on a Sunday and we leave on Friday, so it is a full week. Um, of camp activities you wake up next to your buddy <laughs> where the older ones are the companions the younger ones are the campers um, you wake up you sleep in the same room or in the same cabin um, you help them get ready it depends on the age I've been partnered up for my whole time with I think she's 15 now she just had her 15th birthday I'm pretty sure so it depends on the age my boyfriend at times has been with children that are like five and you know, sleeping in the same room with them, taking care of them is a whole different <laughs> story. But it is, yeah, it's a full Sunday to Friday event. And we go through training for it. And the whole week, like you said, Emily, is just the kids being kids <laughs> as much as they can be. We have like their scheduled medicine times and all that kind of thing. But they get to pick what they do for that whole week. And we let them pick the whole week. And it's very rewarding. That's so cool. I guess I didn't realize, well, one, I'd never heard about camp quality, and then two, that you could be with the same companion year over year. Like, I think that, that's such a great relationship building aspect. Yeah. And a lot of the campers will then, once they turn 17 or 18, they graduate, and then they become companions. So it's kind of just like a whole web and circle of companions and campers and new people are pulled in family members are pulled in and they even have a sibling camp now so siblings of children with cancer have a camp for themselves because <laughs> they obviously were impacted by their sibling going through treatment so there's a lot of different ways that camp quality connects with not just that one child but the whole family no that's oh, awesome a lovely thing I love that yeah I was going to say, so speaking of siblings, you obviously, you're the baby, you have an older brother and sister, right? Have, have you talked with them about like what it was like for them? I mean, obviously you didn't go to camp quality and they didn't go to sibling camp. So I don't know if they ever connected with other people in the right. same situation, but 
what what do they say about it now about the experience and and that's such a good question. So I actually have three older siblings. Oh, three. Oh, and yeah, <laughs> um, that's okay. And hi, that's such a good question. Honestly, I want to like call them right now and ask them because I don't know. It's another thing. Like I was so young, like we almost don't talk about certain things. Like I, I know that, I don't know. I know that they stayed home with my grandparents all the time and that I got all the attention from my parents for two and a half years straight basically so I don't I don't really know how that made them feel but I know that they were always there we have so many pictures of me with them at the hospital or at home um I know that they all took really good care of me but I would I would really wonder if how they would reflect on that because my sister is nine years older than me I mean I was five she was 14 so (laughs) she I'm sure remembers so much more than I do and I'm sure she has has feelings about how that impacted her life. And I don't think that that's like, you don't, you don't tell people like, oh, I am the sibling of a cancer survivor. Like that's not a title that people say, <laughs> I guess, but that's a really important thing that also happened in their lives. So that's a really good question. Next time I see them, that'll be the question of the day. <laughs> we'll do an update episode with uh, them later. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah, um, so the question I had was, so you were talking about filling out a form for like the national, was it like Children's Cancer Association? National Children's Cancer Society. And Cancer Society. Okay. Yes. And you mentioned like any, like you're filling out the survey about like lasting chemo effects or if anything like that. Have you experienced any of those? I mean, feel free if this is not a topic you want to cover shoot away (laughs) like I said I'm pretty much an open book about anything Mm -hmm. I once again I feel lucky I don't really have lasting effects that I know of I know that I'm supposed to take calcium every day because my bones might be weaker like that's such a small thing but like that's a thing I know but like as far as it actually affecting my life it hasn't I don't feel like my body went through that in any way And in no way have I ever been reminded of it in that sense. Like, I never had a relapse. I never lost my hair. I, I don't know, it's like those small things that, like, none of that ever happened. And I don't know if there will be any lasting effects. Every, I meet with my doctor every single year, um, once a year, and we check up on everything. He asks me (laughs) the questions, I give him the answers, and as as far as I know, there are none, but I think the older I get, the more we'll find out. We don't really know. I mean, I'm lucky at this point to not have had anything affect me, but I feel like that's a big question mark that I've, I too wonder. <laughs> but as far, as far as now, the coast seems pretty clear, but we don't know. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. And this is one that, and, and again, you don't have to answer if you don't want to. And Emily and I've talked a lot about it because we were obviously like young women going through chemo or Emily hasn't yet, but will have to. And they talk a lot about how chemo can affect fertility. And I have no idea when you're a kid, does it impact like development? Like, have they talked about that at all? Or is that something where like you were so young that it didn't impact those organs in you? I don't know if that's a dumb question, honestly, but. No, it's not. But once again, I don't really know if I know the answer. Um, Something though, 
an interesting part of my story, I guess this is a good segue into it. I, at one point in my treatment, so I had my doctor, of course, giving me, I don't know what the medicine was called. You'd have to ask my mom for this one, <laughs> but my really important medicine of some sort that I was taking at the time. Um, and the doctor I had prescribed me a quarter of what I was supposed to be taking for my diagnosis. And we went for a long time not knowing that that was the amount I wasn't supposed to be taking. And a different doctor eventually caught it. And that was a big, <laughs> a big scare for all of, I'm pretty sure Children's Hospital. I mean, <laughs> all of my team that was um, working to get me better. That was like a major oopsies. Like, how could you make that mistake? Um, and I, I do remember parts of that time, just knowing like how that at the one, like that at some point was anger um, from my family. And they obviously didn't treat it in that way. But the doctors, after realizing everything that happened, um, they decided to keep it at exactly what it was at because it was working. And I think partially, I want to say that's part of the reason I didn't lose my hair because the medicine wasn't as strong. And so I wonder if that is a reason that maybe I haven't had as many side effects because one of the really important drugs that I was taking was not, I was only taking a quarter of it for the rest of my time. So that is like a question that I think everyone kind of has. <laughs> um, it was a blessing. It was a miracle from God, a blessing in disguise that obviously happened for a reason. But yeah, that's that was a big part of my journey. I know a big hiccup, <laughs> the biggest yeah. bump probably yeah. of them all. Yeah. Wow. Oh man, it's, it's such a crazy, it's such a crazy thing. I, I'm so glad you're here and you can talk about it and like find positive things in it like you have. And um, it just like makes me smile. It's such a crappy thing to have gone through, but I'm so glad you're on this side of it and you're able to like share all your wisdom and your experience and things. I am curious, kind of two things. I mean, one is any other organizations, like, did you, you didn't go to Camp Quality as a kid. Were there any other organizations that you worked with directly while you were going through treatment that you like experienced, you know, benefits from? Or, or obviously your mom worked for LLS. Any others since then that you've gotten involved in that you think are doing really good work that you'd like to, I don't know, share? For sure. I just realized your last question, you kind of asked about fertility and I totally did not touch upon that. <laughs> I don't really know. I don't really know the answer to that. It's definitely a question that I wonder um, yeah. in the future, but it's not like a yes or no thing that like it will greatly impact or it won't, but yeah, little side note. So yeah, camp quality, I'd say like overall is my biggest organization that has had the biggest impact on me post all that time in my life. I know the Make-A-Wish Foundation, they gave me a wish. I at first, this is a good story, I at first wished for a monkey. And I think I was going, I I'm pretty sure my wish was going to be granted. And my parents said that I couldn't have a monkey. So imagine this little oh child going through treatment who can't have her monkey. It was her one wish. Okay, one. <laughs> Amazing. Mo monkeys are wild animals. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I really who wanted grant it that, that wish. <laughs> I don't know, like a little household one, maybe. I don't know if it was really possible, but <laughs> I want to hope that it was and that 
I know it was my parents that put the, the X on that one, but, but anyway, I, they granted my wish. My, my next best wish after a monkey was Disney World. <laughs> so they came and picked us up in the middle of the night and flew us to Disney World. And I do, I remember that trip pretty, pretty greatly. Those are some pretty cool moments. Um, at the Disney castle, they had all the princesses surprise me. I got like a meet and greet with all of the princesses at one time together, which was like unheard of. <laughs> oh um, my gosh. Yeah. So the Make-A-Wish Foundation has given me a lot. That was a lot of during my treatment. They gave us a lot of other small gifts too. Um, I'm not sure if it was all the Make-A-Wish Foundation or other organizations, but I just know we had so many like free night stay at the Great Wolf Lodge or go see this professional soccer game. And like, I was like, sweet, like, these are my perks. Like, <laughs> this is what I get. And I'd be like, you're welcome, siblings. Like, I went through the work. Like, you just get to live it. Like, <laughs> you get to reap my benefits. <laughs> yeah, like, you're welcome. family, you guys. <laughs> yeah. But also, so Camp Quality, the National Children's Cancer Society, like I said, I'm on a scholarship through them um, for my schooling. So um, they helped me out with that, which is really great. I do a little, like, service things. I think Nikki, you just saw, I posted that painting on Instagram <laughs> that was it's made so for beautiful. them. We're gonna have to thank you. It. Yes, please do. So that was through them, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society that my mom worked for. I got to do a really, lots of really cool things with them. Um, we would, my friend Elijah, he, he was a singer originally on Broadway for The Lion King, and he like partnered up with LLS and then me and my friends got to be like the backup dancers for him. So that ended up being like a part of the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society Pasta for Pennies like kickoff program. We would do those assemblies and go dance. And then I would share my story and like I got to skip school and do that. <laughs> so I had lots of fun with that. Oh my gosh, I love that. Yeah, that was while my mom was working for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. And Kids Without Cancer is another organization that I have been able to dance at some of their events it's a lot of it's a lot of dance <laughs> and my cancer coming together which is the best way for me to have it I also Nikki I'm not sure if you know um at Gotta Dance we did the I'm a Dancers Against Cancer little workshop we did like a one-day workshop um we did it for two years while I was there and they carried it on once I graduated but we raised over five grand for um that and just little things that like are a way for me to give back and feel really rewarding. And I know that people did that for those kind of things for me. And that's my way of giving back and I'll continue to do things like that. Ah, oh, yes, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing those. I, I wanna, we didn't do the Dancers Against Cancer when I was there and I'm bummed that COVID has slowed everything down. Cause I keep thinking like, oh my gosh, I wanna do that. Like, should I? might have to write start it up like car and like get involved yeah. oh my gosh so I I guess one of my last questions just having been through this and lived this life that you've lived is there any just like advice wisdom nuggets that you have like learned to live by through this experience that you'd want to share or I I think it's really great to talk to you too and other fellow cancer survivors or people going through treatment just because every story is so different. I don't speak for every childhood cancer survivor. Um, I had 
acute lymphoblastic leukemia, but there are so many different types of cancers. There are so many people who had the same exact thing as me and had it um, a lot worse or relapsed. And I just, I want to make that clear that I don't know a lot about my past. A lot of other people might know a lot more or it might have affected them in lots of different ways. But I think like my main thing is just that you never, you never know what someone else is going through and to never just assume, like you said, Nikki, besides your hair, (laughs) people can't tell. And so people might be super rude to you one day. Like you don't know what people are going through and just never, I don't know, just be kind. (laughs) You don't know what anyone, even if it's not related to cancer or to illness, there's so many things going on in people's lives. And I think that's been my biggest takeaway through it all. Just don't assume you know someone's story. Ask them if you want to know more or if it's a random stranger on the street, smile to them. It's so corny, but like I've learned to smile and be nice to so many people just because like you never know. You never know who it's gonna help or impact in a good way. So, and also as far as, like I said earlier, reach out and like ask people questions. It feels good to be heard by a non-cancer patient. Like if my friend takes interest in my cancer story, it's actually something I really want to talk about. And since it was so long ago, people don't ask me and they don't think it's like a part of my life anymore, but it makes up a huge part of who I am. And yeah, thank you guys so much for having me also. It was really nice to talk to you. Well, thank you for coming on. And those are great words to end with and live by and everything. And so just appreciate your time and your willingness to talk with us today and keep in touch. I mean, I know you and Nikki are, are pretty close. Keep us updated on any, any life events. Yeah. We love you lots. We can't wait to keep cheering you on and seeing all the little nuggets lives you change I'm really excited. <laughs> thank you I can't I can't wait to change nuggets lives <laughs> oh man well with that thank you again for tuning in to that six letter word we hope you get out there be kind spread joy get weird and fuck shit up we'll talk next time bye bye <laughs>